I got to be off close to like 7.45 my time, so like 10.45. Yep, there. good. All right. Uh, so we are on. So this is the Coach Haas podcast sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. And I got the Tri-Podcast boys back together tonight. Coach you and Dr. Mike. What's going on, boys? What's up, man? Good to be back, man. It's been uh, yeah, I know. It's been a minute. Been a heavy couple of weeks. So. Yes. Yeah. It's been so. MIA. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I needed to be MIA. My brain was fried. It's still, I feel, still feel a little fried because of just being so close to everything. It's a lot going Which, on, man. It's a lot to internalize, you know. It really is. It really you is. You know what? But you're, but you're smiling and you, you seem like you got your energy. You, you know, when we were just talking back. about some of the videos and things like that. Yeah. I think getting to the beach, I know getting to the beach will definitely help, you know, make you uh, bring, bring, bring some good vibes. Yeah, good energy. Good energy. Sure. No, for sure. And it's, it's definitely nice when I'm out in the sun. Like even today I woke up and it's just like, I didn't, it was gloomy. It was, it was foggy here of all, all things in LA for that. But it just wasn't feeling the weather and I just had to get work done. I had to get other stuff done. I'm going through some, all the fun personal stuff that I have to deal with. But then like one, like two o'clock hit and I was like, all right, I have to do something right now. So I got those new peps, pet bands, um, those uh, speed bands. And I was like, well, I just want to test them out before I start any like programming with them. And so I just went and I was like, well, I'm going to do my normal dynamics and I'm going to add those in, do a couple speed ladder drills, a couple jump drills, man, 40 minutes later, I didn't realize, and you're just like, I'm having fun. Like I'm yep. moving like an athlete. I'm sweaty, like crazy. I was out in the sun. Um, and it was energy through the roof again after that. So it's just to go to show, like, even when you don't have it to give for what you think you had or what you wanted to do for your training, you just get out there and move a little bit and you're just going to start sweating and just keep it at a pace you can handle. And then eventually you can go faster. And I did, and it was kind of crazy. So, yeah, I, uh, I wanted to just get outside. So there's a tech school right down by where, like right around my development. And there's a trail that goes to my development and goes through it like a walking path or jogging path. And it goes through, but there's an open parking lot there. And I was no one's using it now and everything. So I just loaded up the assault bike and a bunch of shit in the back of the truck. And I took it to the parking lot. And there was some dude. There was some dude teaching his son how to parallel park. So they're only there for like 15 minutes, and then they left. And I had the whole parking lot. So I basically set up. I got a cool video. I'm actually gonna put it up tomorrow. I was using playing around with InShot and made some cool, like uh, angles and stuff with it. So yeah, would you um, guys take me up on the InShot and like hop on a Zoom? I will gladly show you guys like some some cool little tricks and yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah. it's got some cool stuff for the premium version, but like I don't know like if I, how much I'm going to use it. If I find I'm going to use it a lot, sure. maybe I'll test it out. But you could do some really cool stuff with just the free version, you know? For sure, I can yeah. show you how to import some stuff too, so you can use more. Yeah, that's the thing. If I get some more cool music, that's really the biggest thing. I had to go. Uh, to that's easy. I got. You. I had to go to Splice and find songs and then import it. But you get they have nothing. Splice. I don't know where to get good music. That academic sound, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> academic sound. Epi epidemic sound. Yeah, but epidemic. it's not copyright. Like it's stuff you could use without getting them to like take it down. That's what I need. You know, like cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? like every cool every music. every single video I have is epidemic sound. Ah, uh, dude, you gotta hit, hook hook me up with that. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, I'll I'll get you. Yeah, I, yeah. I basically set up five stations and I did a chipper. It was a little bit long, but you could definitely scale it down. So it was basically like the first round was 15 reps. And basically after each station, you got to do a shuttle run out to the end and back. And then you go through each thing. Um, so like I said, it was a little bit long, but you could knock it down. You could start at like 12 reps or 10 reps and you keep, you keep going down to the last round is five reps. And it was cool as being out in the sun and just doing a workout and just no one's out there. I'm in the parking lot and just, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Got the truck, you know, so it was awesome. I played with that. the inertia waves a little bit today. Not yeah, I saw, I saw them on your feed. Hold up. So when did you yeah. get some? Yes, I got a pair. Yes. Yeah? I, was, right. I was hooked right away because I was like, you know what? This is Man. perfect. It's a good dynamic stability tool for what I'm doing with these kids, you know? Single leg and, and the anti-rotation I love. Oh. Man. I love because it's Man. it's it's taking the body and, and and you know being on the ball and having somebody pushing on. It's perfect. It really yep. is. Dude, so, you can um, do um kind of like what I do. I don't know if you've seen in some of my videos, John. I posted in the clinic. I have a band and I have a little two pound, five, two and a half pound weight around it, and you press yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah. The weight keeps yeah. going. Yep. You do some cool stuff because once you get the momentum, you. 
so close. You can nurse away too. You can press it and then hold, and it keeps kind of going. You know, like to stabilize. Yeah. yeah. Cool. No, I, lo- I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, the ner- and the nurse waves are so versatile too. You can do so many things with them. Oh my goodness! So I'm playing yeah, around. I, I have so many other ideas. Like, I was thinking about every sport. Like, what positions I'm in in every sport end ranges, and then how can I get into those, and then translate that with the inertial wave somehow. Um, so those are cool. Especially, have you seen the? Did I show you the uh, the the single leg hip raise power press? Oh, oh with yeah. the with the inertia waves. Yeah. No. So you get into a, you just get into a uh, hip ra- hip glute bridge, single okay. single leg. Yep. Press it up and down or forward and back from the position they're laying on the back. Nice. Hamstring. Wow. Hamstrings on fire, and I would get all the way out to as long. I mean, as long as I can handle. You know, I try almost to a straight leg. You know, so I was like low to the ground. This kills the hamstrings and glutes, but it's awesome, amazing, amazing. I, if you want to make it, you, man. you can get a band around the other foot to kind of get. Like if you want to get more stability on the other foot or like, you know, I gotcha. you can do that too. Yo, so listen, I want to get into some of these questions here uh, or some of these topics, I should say. Uh, we put together a couple topics and we decided, you know, we're going to kind of go um, off of these three for tonight. Mike wanted to bring up anaerobic versus aerobic training styles. And I told him that, I wanted to get him to be a little bit more in depth about that. So like, what, what did you, what did you want to talk about, about that anaerobic versus aerobic training styles? Uh, I think when you're looking at types of workouts, what kind of qualifies as those type of workouts. Um, and if somebody's trying to achieve that goal, you know, are they doing the right thing? So an example is, you know, the kids we're working with, you know, they have these tests and these measures or maybe the type of training they're doing is not conducive towards soccer. So we have a better understanding of what workouts do. Um, And I think now that people are forced to do more stuff on their own, they can't get into the gym um, and they have to rely on even just maybe online stuff or whatever, just to understand what the workouts are. Um, and it's probably be a little bit more too from John's perspective as being a coach and explaining to people like what this workout's going to do. And, you know, uh, you know, I guess kind of the differences between that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're talking about context, right? So it's like, what's the person want? And then, so like, do they want, are they trying to increase their, their, or uh, improve their mile time or are they trying to get ready for soccer? You know, so it's, it's just dependent on the person. Um, like the way I explain to people when I go off rate rest ratios as much as possible, but I, I, I prefer people going off heart rate percentages mm-hmm. if possible. Cause it's much more accurate to the person. Like I can give anybody right. a 30, 30 split 30 on 30 off, but I'm probably going to recover faster than my client is. Right. And so their recovery time might be 60 seconds. So it's all relative to intensity. It's all relative to um, what, where we're keeping the heart rate throughout a certain amount of time. And then uh, what the goal is of, whatever the, the exercise, you know, routine is. So what qualifies as high intensity intervals, uh, in my opinion, and what science shows it's based on short burst for high, high intensity intervals to, to spike the heart rate up, to bring it back down, to bring it back up and then bring it back down. And then, so that for me is high intensity. I love low impact, high intensity, especially for general population clients, because most people, they're not looking to be athletes, but I get them to move like an athlete in a low impact way. So for the inertia waves, it's a great conditioning tool, speed ladder. Um, you could do stuff like uh, carries. So stuff, stuff that's going to keep that heart rate up, but keeping it functional for people. Um, and then like cardio, like long distance, I prefer airdyne bike. I prefer skier. I prefer rower, especially for gen pop, because again, not that I, not that people shouldn't be running or, you know, doing these things standing and doing other stuff. It's just that efficiency safety and then thinking about what that person wants most of the people that i deal with so i'm talking in the context for what i'm doing they're they're just they're nine to fivers they're hard workers they're people that just need to come in and get their heart they get their heart rate up so i'm efficient i'm like you're doing two minutes on the bike we're coming back over here we're going to take a minute we're going to do some core work we're going to go back to the bike so we're getting a lot of functional stuff in but we're also interlacing that core work working on concentration and stuff like that so that's how i work my conditioning with athletes it's a little different Yep. much more specific, much more on top of the time, you know, th- then it's like, now we have less room for error because we're working with the population that's being more specific. Um, right. so 
you know, based on the sport, that's kind of going to dictate what we're, we're doing for conditioning purposes. Yeah, even like when they come in for uh, the rehab and they're not even able to run yet, they, they're on the Airdyne bike. And we have, and I have programs set up for them. So they're Airdyne. They're on there for, uh, I usually start them with 90 seconds on, 60 seconds of rest. And we start with about eight, eight or nine reps of that. So that's about 18 to 20 minutes, right? And we start to build up on that. And so they get to about 11 or 12 rounds and that takes a few weeks. <clears throat> then I start to cut them down. And so now they're at like 75, 55. And then they get to a 60, 30, right? And by that point, when they're doing, even in the 75, 55 ranges, at that point, now I have them doing some treadmill work, you know, and the same type of stuff where, it's based on ratios. I'll have them even do in the very beginning, a one to five ratio where they're basically like fast walking for 50 seconds and then running for 10. And then we start to build on that, but all interval based type stuff. But like you said, I do like the bike as a, as an aerobic piece. It's safe, you know? Um, well, especially, especially if the athletes are playing sports. Right. And they're practicing and they're jumping a ton. It's like, I'm exactly. not going to have saving their legs. Yeah. It's all you're doing. Yeah. So you're just, cause it's just, all you're doing is trying to a tool to create the heart rate to increase. And I was going to say like, we should probably put it in context that, cause I didn't even say what anaerobic versus aerobic is so like for people who are listening that don't know what anaerobic is. Yep. Anaerobic is typically much more high intensity. It's, it's lacking, you know, lack quote unquote lacking of oxygen or, or less oxygen, but much more energy is needed right away we can't sustain that anaerobic capacity for typically it's about 15, 20 seconds is where you really, really start to die out. And then above 30 seconds is typically, a, it's like a hybrid. And then above like 45, 60 seconds, that's where we start to get more on the anaerobic side. Right. The, the longer distance that you go, the lower intensity, typically anaerobic training is somewhere around 45 to 60% you know, trying to maintain that effort. It's all, it's different for ages and populations for aerobic anaerobic. We're talking above 80% effort. Like you want to be pretty high intensity on the, on yep. the um, anaerobic. You can be at the lower end, depending on, you know, what we're trying to do. You can do that hybrid kind of being in between, but as the intensity raises, the time decreases. So they're inverses and then vice versa. If the intensity decreases, then the time increases increases and so right. that's just something to think about and you want to you want to base it off of your your heart rate your target heart rate your max and the easiest way not the most accurate but the easiest way is 220 minus your age and that's going to give yep. you about what your max heart rate is and then from there you can decide okay well i want to be at about 80 percent of that for me you know it's one i'm at like 192 i think is like my max heart rate based on my, on my whoop and it says whoop. says hey this is where you want to be and so like i'm i'm hitting it pretty hard and my heart rate gets just like 170, 175 when I hit my anaerobic, you know, it's about up to 90% of the, of the max heart rate. And then if you're, I'm for like my cardiovascular, like longer distance type stuff, it could be walking, keeping my heart rate somewhere around 140, yep. you know, yep. and that's more like aerobic kind of maintaining that heart rate. I'm a little bit spoiled. So what I have is we have five massive monitors throughout the gym. You've been there. My zone. The my zones are hooked yeah, up are cool. and everyone that comes into the program, it's part of their package. I made it part of their package because the my zone three is actually Bluetooth enabled. So they can do programs outside the gym. Once I give them that Liberty Ooh, to do fancy. that. And then they can just email. actually, they don't even have to email it anymore. They just tell me they did their workout. I can go onto the site, view anybody that is part of our facility and see what their workout was, what their average heart rate was for the workout. And when they're in the gym and they're doing their cardio program and I'm with the next person, all I got to do is look up at the screen and be like, all right, listen, you're on rest. Your heart rate is still in yellow or red. Like we got to work to get that down into green or blue and the faster you can do that. And that, so they understand the game that they're playing while they're, while they're doing their cardio program. So, yeah. um, so I am a little bit spoiled with that, but I do, you know, the other ways I do it, if they don't have the belt is, is clearly, you know, asking them on a scale of one to 10 or, you know, you could do the RPE, right. Yep. Which is so up to 20, another, but I, I do one to 10. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, yeah. But, uh, I was going to say the, the other shortcut is like help. Like I teach my clients how to find their pulse. And then I say like, okay, let's count. I'm going to say go 
give them six seconds, whatever their count is. I multiply it by 10. It's roughly about where they're at. Gotcha. They get 15, okay. they're about 150. 150. They get 14, about 140, right? So it's just, a, it's a quick way because when we're talking time-based type stuff like that, you got to be, you have to find it fast. Right. Um, so that way you can kind of see where you need for your time. And eventually, hopefully, like I've learned now, like where I'm at myself without even having to look at the heart rate monitor, but that takes time. But in practice, so it's like, I'm pretty, I know what my body's saying. It's like, yeah, you can go again. You know, that takes sure, time. Yeah, once you know, right, exactly. Once you know your body, you can, you know, you don't even need the mind. Like half the time, I, I have one, but I don't, I mean, I know like when it's up there and what I need to do to get it there. I just break out the inertia waves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey, Mike, it's safe, right? I'm not doing a lot of jumping. I'm able to get my heart rate up. It's great for someone who can't run. You know, so they, there's a lot of good, you know, it's good upper body because a lot of these girls that I'm dealing with have zero upper body strength. I think that's part of that age group. I think at uh, 16 to 18, you know, they just shoot up from the bottom down first and it's like their legs developing, but their upper bodies are so like, you know, just underdeveloped and it takes a while for them to catch up. I also think that with the way they hold their posture, because some of them are confident at that age group, that they slouch more. They don't feel comfortable standing up tall. Yep. So that contributes yep. to upper body dysfunction. But, you know, I think that that's, um, yeah, that's part of it. But, I mean, some of the girls that have come in have been pretty, pretty good. I mean, pretty stable there. Um, actually, with some of the guys we've had that had some, like, winging scapula and stuff like that, you know. That's me. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. baseball man yeah. baseball. Too much speaking of speaking of we're going to talk about john's topic here um he wanted to talk about moving with intent and why it's key to uh the best strength training results and it's funny because like even after i sent the strength training i was like i didn't really any results right any results right want. rehab you know, uh, even soft tissue work, stretching, like if you're not present and doing, you're not physically, you're physically there, but you're not mentally there. You're not honing in on what you're doing. You're going to miss out on a lot of, a lot of things. And that's, I, I've, since I've started paying attention to my body more, moving slower, moving more methodically and actively being present, clearing my head, put my phone away, put music on that I get into a zone with. I've noticed weaknesses in spots that I've never even paid attention to before. Um, I'm getting out of pain because I'm allowing myself to go through those things and like really feel like, okay, you suck at internal rotation on your right shoulder. Terrible, yeah. terrible. But the more I pay attention to it, the more I give uh, to those weak spots and really pay attention to when I'm lifting. So never close your intent. eyes and try to do the movement. I have. In fact, I've actually, I've gotten to the point now where I'm standing on my tiptoes on one foot and I'm closing my eyes, but I can only hand all that for like five seconds without falling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hope if we have time, I want to talk to you about the train. I have a question about the transverse metatarsal arch because I have a post coming out and I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, side but, note. Yeah. Side note. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you're doing any, any exercise, any exercise period, and you're not actively creating tension, you're losing strength gains. You're leaving something on the floor. So when I tell my clients to get set up for a deadlift, and in fact, by the way, I've kind of gone away from bilateral stuff. I've kind of gone to all unilateral stuff and my clients have loved it. It just yep. feels better. Yeah. Um, and, and so just thinking about that, but how, how do you create tension in those spots? So I show them, push the ground apart here, tear the bag apart, get your lats going, pull the belly button in. We hit each spot and I say, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. This is what you need to feel like the whole time. And the reason is, is because if I can't take that tension from the ground and translate it to the rest of the body, something down in that chain is going to be not working well. And so if I'm missing a piece of my body while I'm lifting, it's going to go into the wrong spots, possibly compensating. Uh, I'm not going to actually be hitting the spot that I want directly. Um, and so that thing is like, now I can do 50 reps like that, or, or I can do 15 reps, very concentrated, and I'm going to get more out of the 15 versus the 50. For sure. Not close. For sure. It's not even close. But getting to that zone, I've noticed, is really hard for a lot of people. And I've seen it you, with clients. Do you think that, that like, because you said it a couple of times, I've said it already, um, like knowing your body. And I say it to the kids and I'm kind of, it, maybe Mike will answer this too. Like, is it a, 
is it an age thing or is it just, just you know you're just getting in it at i just feel like as an older adult thing. well that yeah maybe maybe you know just I, but it seems like the more adults i speak to about it the more they get it the kids you, you really have to be coached into it i don't think that every kid gets it i think a kid that's working with a coach that talks about that gets it earlier than maybe another kid but i just see more adults being like I, I i understand my body now you know and i'm saying adults like late 20s going forward yeah i it's interesting because i have clients ranging from i think my youngest one right now is 22 23 mm -hmm. up to 75 and so and it's men and women surgeries galore you name it fun right. things and every single one of them is different how they go through their training session how they receive information. Uh, and I'm sure you guys see it too with patients, with, with, with people kind of return to play. Like everyone's got such a different approach to how they enter the gym or how they enter the session. Um, the more that I have pushed for them to slow it down and stop, the better it's gotten through to most. There are still mm -hmm. some people that just want to come in and move. Right. I used, I used to get so frustrated with that. I used to get so, and then also I actually was self-conscious about it. Cause I'm like, well, this client's not doing what I ask. They're around, everyone else is looking. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I'm doing everything I possibly can to get you to do what I'm asking. And you're not look, it's your dime. It's up to you. I will make sure you're not doing anything egregious and you're not in pain. Fine. So your traps are going to get it more than your, your lats are. I've tried. I have right. tried. Right. right. And so, so I think that, you know, it is personality a lot. Um, I think, cause I have, I, this last week, I just started training my nephews via zoom. One's two are in Arizona. One's in Folsom, close to Sacramento, California. And I was like, I just need, I need to train you guys. Like you guys are sitting here 15, 16 and 18. Wow. And it's so cool. Cause I got them on there and I got to watch them each individually move for the first time with my current eyes. And it was a every, I feel like every time I do assessments now, it's like something else that I'm like, I can take a step back and look. They were actually pretty good at the movement. And they actually took cues very well. And then they did the things that I was asking. So I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's per I think it I personally think it's more it's how I approach things right off the bat with new clients or clients in general. Because a lot of the clients that I've had to kind of transition back from old training, I've had clients for seven years. Right. And I've seen the transition, but at the same time, my philosophy has changed. My style has changed. My understanding of the body has changed. How I train has changed. And so that's hard for people sometimes to take in as well. So I've had to kind of transition that as well. But getting back to what the point is, like, I think everyone's so different and I just have to read the situation and teach that person as best I can. And typically I sell it to them as like, especially the younger people. Like, I want you to not have to deal with pain later on. I want you to be great at this movement. I want you to own this now wish, because I yeah. wish I did this when I was your age, you know? So for them, that's kind of like the way I approach it. For the older people, it's like, well, you're already at this point in your life, I guess. I don't know, man. You decide, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you just no, want to I mean, come in and talk to me for an hour. I mean, like, we could do that elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, I'd rather, you know, get you moving and feeling better and, and engaging the right way. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Sometimes yeah. you can say it a million times over and over to these people and they're just not buying, as long as they're not being, you know, malicious and hurting themselves, then obviously we just, we won't deadlift. <laughs> yeah. Mike, so what do you, what do you, how do you, what do you think about moving with intent? Cause uh, you know, we're, we also lift a lot. We do a lot of training. And so for us, like it's, you have to be very intentional with your movement. You can't have uh, your, your mind wandering and taking you away from stuff. So what, what is, what's your experience been with it? Uh, I think with PT, that's the pure baseline as to what our profession is. I think, uh, you know, functional movement systems, those guys really, um, you know, the type of stuff that they do, I think at first for young PTs, when they see it, they see all these bands and balls and they think it's just fancy exercises. And when you look at it, there's a purpose for it. So they call it's called reactive neuromuscular training. So most people don't understand what it means to like tighten their core or how to get their glute to sequence properly. And, uh, I boiled the, movement is medicine guys um and even like her cressy talk about that they talk about um 
proper muscle sequencing. It's a little bit of a better term than activation. So someone, you have someone lying on their stomach and you have them raise a leg. You look to see, are they firing from their low back, their glute or their hamstring? And some people actually extend the leg and they get too much lumbar extension or hamstring. They're not getting that pop from the glute. So not sequencing the muscles properly. Uh, you know, same thing for like the core control. How can they learn to engage their core? And if you can't get them to do it properly on their back, they're not going to be able to do it in other positions. So like functional movement system, use a four by four matrix where you start like supine and like assisted movement, supine, like unassisted. And you go to like quadruped, then tall kneeling, half kneeling, like basically the same progressions like a baby goes through, you know? If you think about how a baby progresses to going from on the back to like prone to like they start kneeling and doing that crawling, it's the same progression. So we have to dial it back and get people to feel for what it's like there. You know, um, most common exercises like the bird dog exercise, you have people that just like fly out into extension, like all lumbar extension and all that. There's like no hollow core or they almost fall off the table. They do it and like, whoa, and they fall off, you know, so you could see that they're not getting the muscles to react properly. And if they can't do it with that certain movement, how are they going to do it with like an overhead snatch or how are they going to do it with, you know, uh, you know, serving a volleyball. I mean, any type of, you know, dynamic movement. So, um, you know, some of the techniques we use will involve the body to react to a stimulus to get a response. So a great example is like the toe touch progression. So you put a ball between people's knees and they got to squeeze the balls and go down and touch their toes. And the purpose is to uh, get the adductors and the pelvis and the core muscles to fire and then get the posterior chain to reduce the tension. So they learn to go down and touch their toes while using their core to stabilize through that flexion pattern and then also on the way back up. So they're not using their hamstrings and their lumbar. So you're retraining the pattern of doing that. Um, even like other things are like using certain um, like bands. So for like the neck, if I'm teaching someone how to stabilize their neck, I'll have them lie on their back and I have them squeeze a ball and pull a band to get the scapula going. So now it's really hard to keep tension in your neck when you're squeezing and then you're stabilizing in two other parts of your body. It's hard to like tense your neck. So all the tension is being exerted to other stabilizers. So now you get them to do like a chin retraction or get them to rotate their neck without being so tense. Because a lot of the neck issues that we see are people just holding tension and stress or jaws are tight and they're just like this. And it's like, how do you get that out of there? Just telling someone to relax. They don't know what relax. They don't know what that means, right? Yeah, you could shove lavender up their nose. They're still not going to relax, you know? So <laughs> we're retraining the way the body, the body works, you know? So that's cool techniques. <laughs> like those guys at functional movement systems, you know, they give you like the examples of the exercises, but they're not set in stone. It's like if you understand the concept, you could play around with a lot of different like, variables to get the response that you want. You know, um, and it could even be like the same thing with uh, like a single leg bridge. So they do one where they have you like pin a tennis ball between the one hip and your and your torso. I, I've done that with a lot of the players. They make sure they're really locking it out. Yeah, the cook hip side. lift. Yeah, and to keep that side of the pelvis rotated back while they extend on the other side. So it's a hip flexion, hip extension dissociation, but making sure that the pelvis is locked and they're not extending the back. You know, and that that's another concept, too, that when I listen to um, Chris Knott, who works for uh, – he has his dynamics performance. He trains, like, NFL pros talking about uh, the eccentric uh, glute ham drop, you know, where you're tall kneeling and you drop down with your hamstrings. He uses um, assisted bands up at a pull-up bar, and they hold it behind their head, and they slowly go down. But he's saying you got to make sure that you're tucking your pelvis and your gauging because a lot of people go down and their back is arched and they're just using lumbars. And the hips go out. Yep. So make sure you're tucking in. Same thing when you're on your back and you're doing like the eccentric sliders or on the TRX, the sliders, make sure that they're not arching their back and pushing out, that they are getting the proper pelvic position and moving out. So, I mean, these are all examples of moving with purpose because you'll see it all the time at the gym people are going, they're doing the bird dog real fast or they're doing these moves real fast. And I'm like, slow it down. Yeah. Those movements are not meant for power. It's like a bear crawl. Bear crawl is meant for slow, steady control, working through 
you know, and then when you, you hone in on that feeling, you learn how to stabilize to do powerful stuff like med ball tosses, med ball slams, you know, catching a clean, whatever it is, but you have to understand that, that, that foundation. So if you do those things and you understand the move with the purpose, like I have a, uh, one of the kids from Joe right now, it's just like, it's just really hard to get him to slow down. He wants to do everything so fast. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're only going to better the slower you go. You have to. And I put the half foam roll on his back to make sure he's honest when he's balancing with like the bird dog and stuff. And it just keeps falling off. No, like, dude, you got to learn, man. Like, you know, I'm not going to keep picking it up for you. You're going to keep getting frustrated. You got to slow it down. This is meant for coordination. Then these things are meant for power, you know, where you're doing fast explosive. So, um, so I think that kind of comes with the movement with purpose is really thinking about what you're doing. And you're going to get more of a benefit if you spent 30 minutes doing things slow and focused than 30 minutes of just blasting through stuff, you know. I think that that has a time and place. I think, you know, when you master those basics, then you could go and you could do the high-intensity workouts fast. But even then, form is important. And I think, you know, that's why we look at, you know, uh, the CrossFit style of training was getting a bad rap because you had people trying to come in and do things fast that they didn't have a foundation for. And I mean, it's the same thing, even with any of the type of training now, any of the hit intervals, you know, you could, you know, half-ass a pull-up rep, half-ass a thruster, you know, throw your back into it just to try to get that. So say you did this amount of rounds in a certain time, but then is that really, is that really gonna, uh, you know, benefit you, you know? So uh, looking at the form with that. And sometimes even in these competitions, too, when they have judges, you know, if you don't practice right, you're going to get a no rep. You know, they're going to look at that, say, was it, was it clean? Was it good? And if you keep practicing poorly, you're going to create those bad habits, you know. So a great quote I heard, it was somebody on uh, that Shrug Collective podcast, and he said, um, practice makes permanent, not perfect, because you <laughs> practice the wrong things you get permanent in doing that. So you got to make sure you're practicing the right Perfect thing. practice, yeah. right? Yeah, perfect exactly. Practice makes perfect, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? That kind of ties back into before we even started recording, and John, you talking about going uh, down to the beach, and it was just about just getting down there and moving and just staying focused on the next thing and just moving and moving. And then all of a sudden, the intensity picks up, and you look back at your watch and it's 40 minutes later and you go, all right, you know, that was, and it. I that wanted was to it. go more. And right. Well, at that point, now you have momentum. Now you're getting a second wind. Um, but some of those days you go in there and if you just stay, and I, I always have the kids come in and, and I like to do some soft, soft tissue work and get them the foam roll. And, and, you know, even if I can get them to do some breath work, it's a miracle, but basically what I do is I just kind of hide it into their bear holds and, and some of their core exercises. I just try to, you know, I, I do it that way. But again, talking to them, there's a routine when you come in here, it, this is the way it should look. This is, you got to get focused and, you know, so uh, moving with intent, moving with purpose, I think it starts from the very moment that, that you get on the floor and, and, and get going. 100%. I think that that's a, another challenge, too. I think as a society, we're in positions that make it harder for us to be successful with fitness. So if we could try to implement just some easy things to, um, you know, make it a little bit more comfortable, a little bit uh, I don't know, easier for us to function in the terms of that, I think that people won't get as frustrated with how they feel or what's going on. So, for example – we have a hustle bustle job, nine to five, maybe come home. You're trying to get in that quick, you know, hit workout, 30 minutes, and then you got to go home, do dinner, do the kids, whatever you got to do, all that stuff. You know, think about your average client. Um, but we've been sitting all day at a desk or you've been sitting and doing stuff. So you're in an inopportune position to do proper breathing. So you're going from one extreme. Now we're going to go balls to the wall for 30 minutes or an hour. And is the breathing there? So the big breath cycle is so important for, uh, you know, effective output. And a lot of individuals with fitness or even athletes are leaving a lot on the table. And this is something that I've even had to learn too with the high intensity training of not being a mouth breather and really focusing on breathing into the nose and controlling the breath and recovering um, because you're more efficient. And it, it's, it's a painful thing at first too when you're really under that stress. But the more you keep honing in on that practice, 
those muscles get trained, you know, your diaphragm, the inspiratory muscles and intercostals, and you learn to kind of get it back down to a baseline and kind of calm down. So you ever see people when they kind of panic, like they can't breathe because they haven't practiced that. So I think if you somehow can implement a little bit of some of that type of breathing with some more basic exercises, like even like a goblet squat or even like a, a push press where they breathe in, exhale, breathe in, exhale. And maybe you could start out somehow doing some crocodile breathing where they lie on their stomach and they got to do the breathing. I've been trying to do that with some of the athletes just like real quick, five minutes into the session was just get you to feel for what that breath is like. They lie down, expand, contract. And I mean, it just takes practice, but that'll come into too with just, you know, the efficiency of just doing, you know, the exercise, because if you're breathing more efficiently, you might realize that, wow, that 30 minutes wasn't like hell. Then if you're not breathing, like that 30 minutes crushed me. And it's like, well, were you really being efficient or were you just trying to like go crazy through that 30 right, minutes? Right. Just trying to push through it. Yeah. I, and it's funny too, cause you're talking about the breath work, like, uh, in the past couple months since we started this quarantine, uh, it's given me time to kind of just play around with movement and figure things out about my body. And then it's helped me help my clients so much more. And now 95% of my sessions start with breath work. The awesome. other 5% because I just don't care. And <laughs> And I'm like, it's fine. It's never going to happen. So whatever. Again, teenagers. Yep. Same thing. (laughs) Sadly, they're not teenagers, but um, what do we know? Um, So just with the breath work though, but like, it's a time to reset, right? That's our time. So like you said, like it's game time, like that's game time, but it's, it's game time where I get to go like, Hey, get, take this moment, take these, take these five minutes that we're going to be working on this ground yourself feel the body, feel things, move your fingers a little bit. So, and then we go into position. So dead bug breath, three breaths, uh, push up position, three breaths, side plank, hold three breaths, bird dog, three each side. And these are the, and it's every time, you know, the reps may change with the person, but, mm-hmm. and I, for it, I'm like, give me that big inhale through the nose, fill the belly, blow up one balloon with one breath and with each breath and suck it, suck those abs in when you breathe out and just trying to really emphasize that, even if they, even if they only get 15% of them, right. Like at least they're doing something more than sitting and just going straight into from sitting, like you said, Mike, and then going right into, you know, and most of the time now I've seen it just help my clients and it just kind of sets them up for their session. Um, it's something I've been really incorporating in recently. And this just has to do with like me buying too many toys. Cause this is what I do with training equipment. I buy so much stuff, but I bought the heck, the heck, the Hico sticks, uh, the color coordination, uh, you know, those toss things that you can catch. And then the, the blaze pods and my bring, bringing my speed ladder back out again. And I start off with core work and coordination and my clients are having fun. Yep. They're not thinking about training. Right. Uh, and it, and it helps them get more in tune with your body. Yeah. Getting them set up uh, for the rest of it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and that's the other thing with breath work, it gets that central nervous system reset. We don't think about that a lot, but if you're training, like Mike said, during, during training, if you're more efficient with your breath work, you can create so much strength in your core and that translates to everywhere else. And like when we were talking about, I wanted to give an example of like what I'm talking about with like one exercise specifically push-ups or planks. Oh, oh, nice catch. catch, What the hell is going on over there? That's a ghost right there. No, that was my elbow. I just whacked it. But that was a good catch, though, right? It was, it was a good recovery. Yeah, that's my Kobe plaque. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I like that. Um, so uh, push-ups, planks. Yes. People miss that. It's the number one exercise I get to correct on most people, like 95% of people. Huh. And the, the, it's just amazing how many people do not know how to do a push-up and I'm not going to say properly because I think there are so many, everyone's got different movements they can do and that their body can handle in their capacity. Right. But right. the general push up, general population is what I'm talking about. Most people don't have the core strength. Most people don't have the shoulder strength. Most people don't have the wrist flexibility. Yeah. Most people don't understand that. Well, the positioning. I need attention. The positioning's always off. Right. And so we're, how, and so all these things. So it's like those kinds of things. And like, just like you were saying, Mike, when you said it, I thought of something too. It's like everything that you do, you're teaching your body how to accept that movement. That includes foam rolling. 
So if you're sitting there half-assing foam rolling with your back and low, your low back and extension and your butt's up in the air and your, your foot's up in the air and you're on your elbows and your elbows are letting your, you're sitting into your chest and you're hanging on your shoulders to hold you up, but you're not actively punching into the ground. You're not actively tucking the hips. You're actually putting your leg, you're rolling your leg in a position. It's actually not ideal. We're in, we're in a, we're in a, a soft position now. And that's not what we're trying to create. We're trying to create the understanding of what this feels like when everything's active. And so going to the push-up, it's like the thing that I tell people all the time, grab the ground, rotate outward. Yeah, I want you to pull. Yeah, yeah, screw yeah. it open, right? Chins then, pulled Then push-up, then rotating things that the, the Navy SEAL guy created. I mean, that's, right? I mean, because you're getting that rotation through there and you want rotation. That's, that's what the, the socket is, right? Ball and socket. You want yeah. that rotation through there. Yeah. Well, Kelly Starr talks about that in the beginning chapters of that supple leopard book, which is really good. It's really good understanding too, for you know, a common individual and explaining the screw home and not having like an open loop, closed loop position. So an open loop is where there's like a, a kind of like a kink and basically your loop of connection for something to come out. So you're in a, bent over deadlift upright row position and you're extending your neck so then you're trying to stabilize the neck and that's a real common thing going that extension you want to get that spine neutral um same thing with screwing in locking in as well um and him and greg cook also say in any position that you can't take a good breath you don't own that position so if you are foam rolling or stretching and you can't get a good breath there your area tension hasn't learned how to relax in that position. Also, you know, same thing if you're lifting weights and you're going down, like this is real common, like with the front squat, when you're loading that weight and you get down, you can't expand that diaphragm showing you need some more work there. So that's why sometimes I say, drop the weight, drop all the way down at the end and practice holding the weight there and breathing in and exhaling. Or sometimes some of like the power lifter guys will just load up heavy weight on their girdle and they'll just sit there and they'll just breathe and just try to own that position there. So they do it because if you're, inhale on the way down and you can't breathe out, you know, you're losing all that power. That's basically too much weight. So your breath will tell you directly, you know, where you are with that movement. And the same thing, if after the workout, you feel really, really sore and really ripped up and there's a lot of muscle tension, you like got to do soft tissue work, probably telling you your breath was off. And I know I personally experienced that a lot of times where you're just pushing through a tough workout and you're just like really, really extra sore and the muscles are just like grabbing on you and you're like, you probably weren't breathing right. You pushed the max a little bit. But in times where you're really efficient with your breathing, sometimes after the workout, you feel like, wow, like, I feel great. I don't even feel like I did much of a workout today and you did something hard because you're getting more efficient at the movements and stuff too. So it's kind of cool when you experience it yourself and then you could explain that to your client or your player or, you know, your patient. So you understand like where you're coming from. So you know, you know, like, you know, what, what it's like, to, you know, to be there. Yeah. Oh, and, and you said something too about the, um, like being able to like get to a breath in a position, like, can you take a good breath? And that's something I've absolutely like changed my whole training idea on is it, can I get this person to stabilize in this position? And then can I get them to br take a good deep breath in that position? Cause if you can't own a stable position in the push up position, the squat, the lunge position, there's no way you're going to be hitting the ground correctly every time and being able to accept the load you're already taking so right. isolation so no, no read for been, no need for an external load at that point no and in fact i you know like i like it for certain things like i think to like i like i'm never do i don't know if i told you like i'm never having my clients do uh lateral band walks without a band around their wrists now or holding on to a kettlebell or holding yeah. on to something yeah. Because yeah. there's gotcha. there, the translation. Otherwise, you get the trunk yeah, yeah. going back and forth. And, and it's a two for one. I get the serratus going. I get my external rotators going. I got my I got my you know my arms a little bit. So it's 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 that. But like being able to hold positions and so like five second isometrics. Then we go. So making sure that we can hold these positions for a long time. Then we can get out of them and then breath work through them. So like isolation work if you're if you're just starting out training get really good at isolations get really good at holding a split squat as low as you possibly can with great form push that ground apart push-ups own that position don't have any winging like every everything squats deadlifts get really good at isolation in those 
you know, during this whole time, like people weren't going to the gyms. You saw all these people doing the towel deadlifts, right? All those Instagram videos were going all around. That's isolation work. That's, that's a great exercise. It's boring as hell. No one wants to do that. But yeah, but that's a great that's a great micro cycle. Think about yeah. it. It was like an eight week cycle of doing some isolation work. You probably could get some size out of that. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, yeah. And in fact, I was working on. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna also another one. I want to. That's the metatarsal. I want to ask you about, Mike. But yeah, it's a big it's a big toe or not a big toe. I'm sorry. It's a it's the transverse arch, which uh, I'm trying to strengthen because I've heard the correlation between transverse arch strength. Um, and mobility emphasizes speed, power, and development force from the ground. So, and apparently LeBron James has like one of the best ones in the world. So I was like, okay, well, if I can be somewhat like LeBron, I should probably want to do that, right? Um, so I'm doing like a lot of like lunges now on the big toe. I'm doing, or on the big, on the, on the, on the transverse arch. I'm going into Romanian deadlifts, single leg balance type stuff, and not loading myself like crazy, more so using body weight, isolations. Can I land? Can I hold this position? Can I, can I go into a high knee from a lunge, get on the big toe or a big on the, I keep saying big toes. I, I'm thinking big toe extension. You guys know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. 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 And driving up and can I hold that? Right. And then can I go back down slowly again and just loading the Achilles differently? And Mike, you sent me, um, that great, the, the planter, um, dorsiflexion video from, was that Kelly as well that you sent me? Probably, yeah. Kelly, Kelly's was, right? all about that. And yeah. it was a slant, a slant board, and he had yeah. the 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 dorsiflexion, but in the fully extended stretch oh, position. Yeah. I love yes. that. Oh. Right? I loved that. And like thinking about how can I translate that to the arch, and thinking about okay, so now I started doing other movements like that. And man, my I got to tell you, my feet, my the the are so much stronger, and it feels like my ankle stability and just the the um the stiffness in my ankle when I land is just way better so i mean yeah a bunch of things you could do is because i had to retrain my my running form so even though i was a 430 miler in high school i had no idea about running we talked about this we ran in bulky shoes we competed in spikes it always felt better to be in spikes i don't know why we wore these bulky shoes on the trails stupid but they didn't have the shoe options that they have now and we didn't know about that stuff that we do now. My coach used to yell at us, get on the balls of your feet, thinking that we would kind of pick up on it. But I mean, we never really did. And I don't really know what my gait looked like then. Um, but I know now, last year, when I had uh, Rich Diaz, who actually lives out in California, he um, trains a lot of even Olympic-level athletes and also a lot of the top Spartans. He um, basically will do like a virtual gait analysis. You film yourself from angles, and he analyzes it and breaks it down. I mean, you could really, if you know what you're looking for, you could do it on the iPhone in slow motion, but it showed that my striking was off. I was coming on to like the outside of my foot a little bit too much, too much rotation. And this all happens when you go really fast. If you looked at the video where they broke down Usain Bolt versus I think it was one of the American runners, when they come out of the, the blocks and there's a lot of this like stuff here, as opposed to going forward and shooting straight out, there's like these connections that you have to make. Um, there's actually a sprinter that I follow on Instagram, Charity Hawkins, I think her name is. And she's like this tall, she does intermediate hurdles and stuff. And she did a progression video of how she comes out of the blocks and how she got, was really sloppy at first. And then she just progresses from coming out slowly upright and then forward and then the right angles there. So it's the whole strike pattern. So, um, but yeah, the lunge to the single leg is a great exercise that I use for runners to translate in from that, that lunge going up into the single leg to translate the running form, um, for that forward progression. But one of the techniques that Rich had us do even on the treadmill was, you would go on a treadmill and you would put up, you put like a rubber band, one of those pull up assistant bands like around the armrests. So this way you can't go too far yeah, forward. Too far, and yeah. yeah, when you're going, you're making sure that you're striking, but you're landing on top of your foot and you're not over striking or kicking behind you to make sure you've done the right pattern. And then he has you use a metronome at 180. So every time it, it beeps, you know, tick, 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 tick that you're striking. So eventually you'll feel for it. And then you become more familiar with how, you land on your midfoot and pushing off and then you'll become more sensitive to, Oh wow. I land on the outside of my foot. Oh, I'm getting a little sloppy. Oh, I'm leaning back. 
not engage in my core. Let me get forward a little bit. And let me get back that cadence, you know. So you start to know where that normalcy is. Um, but it does take a lot of training because you have to strengthen the foot there. So, I mean, even just going around in the gym and, and wearing a minimal shoe and just lifting weights in it will start getting the arch used to being more minimal. Um, like we talked about doing like jogging and stuff out on like a, on a grass surface. Um, another great one is um, putting a tennis ball between the heels and doing heel raises while squeezing mm. because that stabilizes the posterior tip. So you get synergy between the forefoot and the calcaneus. So you don't get any of this weird rotation at that subtalar joint, which is what happens. Mm. Um, and sometimes even having that really good power mobility isn't always that great. I treated uh, this high jumper. This girl looked like she should have been in college. She was tall. She was like really mature. I mean, it was insane. So this was out, this was out in Exton, Joe. So this was uh, before I came out up here at Bucks County. Right. And when she went to go push, she went all the way up onto her metatarsals, almost like a ballet dancer. And she was putting like almost stress fracturing onto those med heads. So I actually used rock tape and I taped her so the tape would pull when she went too high to cue her to stay just a little bit lower and generate her power from there. But she was just so hypermobile that she thought that that was her end range. Almost like a gymnast landing on a hyperextended elbow. They think that's their end range. They have to learn where to lock it out. Right. So just a retraining mechanism to not always be so far up on your toes to kind of learn to be there from that midfoot position. So, um, yeah, I think any of those drills that you could do, um, even uh, being in like a split stance, doing split stance positions and making sure you're focusing on there. Um, a good drill is I take a poker chip and I put it under their first big toe and I make sure they press into the poker chip to make sure that they're getting contact with those metatarsal heads and not coming up too high and they're kind of maintaining that position as they're pushing up, you know. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you could do even any type of single leg positions where you just kind of lift the arch up a little bit and try to balance there. And you could do any type of movements in that single leg just to start training a little bit of that Achilles and, you know, that midfoot, you know. But the, the form is, is 100% crucial. I mean, form for things like running, swimming, um, even other things like, you know, even, uh, you know, baseball, tennis, like I think a lot of athletes overlook how important the form and technique is more than your power and your strength, because we talk about this and being efficient with, with, with the running, you could have someone who technically is moving faster, but their cadence is off. They're burning more energy in that time. They're going to blow up than the guy who's maybe at a slower pace, but his cadence is very methodical he's going to outrun the guy who's just trashing himself. The only time you want to trash yourself is when the finish line is like a hundred meters away. Just go. If it gets a little sloppy, just fucking go, you know, right. but if you have like two miles left and you're trashing yourself there, you're not going to make it. It's all about efficiency. Something's going to break down. So more methodical, perfect form. I mean, you look at um, some of these marathon guys and they hold literally like a four, Four minute mile, what was it? Four minute, yeah, four minute mile for the for a marathon. Just steady, just going, just same thing over, over, wow. over again. I mean, that's really all it came down to too. When I had to revisit the mile time trial, did on Tuesday to get under five. It's just form every lap, making sure you're not getting sloppy. Technique. Oh, I'm starting to pull out. Make sure my strike is down. Make sure I'm going around the curve right. Make sure I'm finishing strong and you're not doing this stuff or any crazy crap that people do when they get too excited, staying focused, you know? Yep. So um, same thing with sprinting, John, you want to get better at sprinting. If you look at all the sprinters and you watch them, when it comes down to like Olympics and time trials, you see the one that starts doing a little deviation like this. It's like 0.01 second. And the one that's still focused on that forward trajectory gets them at the finish line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that big time when I've been uh, actually today, when I use the, the bands, it taught, it showed me where I rotate the most and yeah. it was a unreal, like just the side to side. Also, I'm so much more balanced on my left foot than I am my right foot. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense for me being a right hander, you know, doing all the landing and all the, for everything, mm -hmm. kicking and throwing and swinging and everything. So, but what's interesting is like those really pointed out to me where I was deficient and like, it was unreal. Like I kept wanting to go back to my other pattern and I, my, my body was like, it was refusing to go into the pattern that I needed it to. 
And a lot of that I think has to do with, with like, again, like we, we, I've been loading on the left side, loading on the left side, loading on the left side. So it's going to be strong or in comparison to the right side. So now it's like, all right, now I need to get that right side in check. So then that way the rotation doesn't happen so much. And again, all of this goes back to moving with intent. Cause yeah. if you don't, it's yeah. like, it's like for anyone listening, who's in class or classes, it's like going to take algebra one. And then you're like, well, now I'm going to go to like, I'm going to go to calculus. I'm going to go to physics five, <laughs> you know, like skipping steps. And then you, maybe you can do like two of the problems. I'm going to go to missile trajectory. <laughs> That's where I want to go. But I mean, those bands, you know, they're great. I mean, when I started playing around, I don't have the ones from Pierre. I bought another ones off of uh, Amazon just to try and see how they were. And it's the same concept. They're great. Um, I'm actually using the highest resistance. I found the, actually the lighter ones I have here. They're not, they're just not strong enough, but the ones are just perfect resistance and they give you that feedback because they're not so much act as resistance, but they almost act as a cueing for where you are. Um, which is kind of cool. It gives you this proprioceptive awareness. So like a really cool exercise you could do an RDL and you kick back. So it's making you go into hip extension and then come forward with that same leg up into single leg. So are you really pulling through as you're spreading the band against the tension, you know, and the same thing as you're doing any of those movements that he kind of does. I mean, he does some really cool drills and they're teaching you awareness of your legs where you are, are you really pulling that leg through as efficiently as, you know, as efficiently as possible? So, yep. um, yeah, Joe, you might have to get a pair. I think they'd be, uh, they'd be really good to use. Man. That's, it, that sounds it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, yeah, I'm always great. up for some new toys. I'm ready to they're do some great. shopping. They're totally worth the money. And like hey, what you're saying too, Mike, just given that the end, that proprioceptive feedback, I was shocked. I was like, mm. wow, I'm not dry. My right hip flexor, just didn't want to drive to 90. It kept stopping short. Left side, no problem. Easy. Right. Yeah. And it felt so natural. And so just thinking about that, like, yeah, that, that having that feedback was cool. Even in my side shuffles, I was like doing the kind of like a diagonal side shuffle reactive thing. And then just feeling like, where do I push off better? Am I covering more ground this way? Do I, do, do I push through full, you know, abduction? Am I actually doing that? Right. And so like, it was, it's really cool just to get that feedback. And it was like immediate. But I also, we also know our bodies pretty well. You yeah, know. yeah, correct. But I think, I think people would feel it. Yeah. I mean, another great drill is he has one where they're hanging from the pull-up bar and they do uh, alternating mm. hip flexion. Um, and then he has a more advanced one where he puts a band on the floor. I've actually done this. And you have your feet in it. And then you're doing quick hip flexion. One, two, three. One, two, three, alternating, picking it up to really get that speed. Oh, it's an awesome ab, shoulder stability, awesome workout. Since I've been using that stuff, I've definitely felt more power and just push off with, with the running. You know, you just get that trajectory going forward. But even dialing it back to someone basic, um, you know, they could even do like even just an isolated hold if they can hold themselves on the pull-up bar and just work that scap retraction like a little dead hang. And then, you know, when they get better at doing the dead hang, if they could hold themselves for, you know, at least 10 seconds, have them try alternating one hip, next hip, okay, drop down, rest, let's try again. Working grip, working scapular control, core, hips, doing everything there. It's a full dynamic workout, just with a pull-up bar, you know? But we're not actually doing pull-ups yet, you know? We're working all the foundational components. Right, right. Yeah, which get all of those are foundations. Sync. Right. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know we're, uh, we're kind of up against the uh, – the end here we're like 10:39 EST um this is just a quick one we i just want to throw this in right at the very end probably take a few seconds i'll go mike first here um what are some of your daily success habits what are you doing to to create your success every day and and so the people can hear you know maybe they'll take one or two of those things and and they'll put it into their routine yeah, so the daily success habits. So obviously now everything's upside down because of COVID. So it's definitely hard for someone in my shoes that wants to continue to compete and you don't know what the hell is going on with competition. But it's also comforting knowing that everyone's in the same boat. I mean, even all the major league sports, we don't know what's going on, but we know we're going to get back at some point. So it's still looking a little bit beyond, okay, the competition, but what, what can I do now to focus on instead of knowing that I have a race and just, and taking that pressure off. And like John said, having a little more fun with stuff, 
doing a workout and not having the pressure that this has to be 110%, being a little bit more like, you know, let me just do the workout and take a little more rest breaks or have a little more fun with it, cool. Which also teaches you that not every day has to be 110%. And I think some people are very hard on themselves there. So knowing that um, you're going to have some weeks where you did a little better and it's okay to have some week where you dial back a little bit. And I've actually had to learn that the hard way too, you know. You try to train 110% every week, doesn't work. Some weeks right. it's okay to be a little slower. Um, I think that, you know, you have to find what works for you in terms of the goals. I mean, I'm definitely OCD with stuff. I'm definitely organized. I learned to be that way because back in high school, if I wanted to compete varsity level and compete all year round in seasons and manage schoolwork, I had to find a way to, to get it all, you know, systematic and figure it out. And then it got even even worse in college when it was there were no sports, but how do you manage all this schoolwork and all this stuff? So I feel as you know, write everything down that you want to do, make the agenda of, of the stuff, you know, and then that way you have a list of things that you check off to get done. There you go. I mean, I know a lot checklist. of this stuff. That, yeah, a lot of this stuff might sound cliche that people make checklists, but how many people like actually will do it? Actually, just you know, write it down on a notepad or a sticky. I could pull mine just, up right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, get it done. Yep. And then I there you that, go. <laughs> yeah, see? but trying to keep your routine consistent too. I can tell you right now, some of my worst workouts were when the COVID thing hit and I was sleeping in. My sleep cycle was off. Even when I tried to go and do Murph with the guys, I was my cycle was all off for like diet, hydration, sleep that whole weekend. And your yeah. body's like, it's not used to this. The more consistent you are. So even if, you know what, if you um, are sleeping for some reason, you're busy and you're getting only five hours of sleep each night for whatever reason, just a bad week, don't just try to get eight hours on one night. You know what, just keep it close to that same amount yeah. because your body's just going to react. And then the next week, try to reset. But the more you can try to keep the variable somewhat consistent in whatever you're doing, I think that helps you because we're just creatures of habit and our bodies adapt to what we're doing. So, yeah. you know, if you just keep the premise and don't let it shift too far up the spectrum, you know, I think yeah. that that'll help, you know? John, how about you? Yeah. And I go, well, I was to, to speak to what Mike was saying too, like exactly like there's going to be weeks that the energy is not going to match what your head is saying that you expect or you want to have happen. So just understanding that week to week is going to look different. Day to day is going to look different. So on the daily basis, there's two things I always see when I walk, when I wake up in the morning, that's a magnet that I got randomly through this move. It was given to me uh, kind of by accident. Anyways, it says it's, it's Winston Churchill's. It says never, never, never give up. Right. And it's that quote. It's just like, I look at that. And it's so simple, but I think yeah. we forget we sometimes with, with, especially right now, anxiety is high for everybody. Mm -hmm. There's so many things going on in this world. This year has been super stressful. So the number one thing I'm doing is reminding myself, you are where you are right now. What can you do today? How much can you accomplish? Stay within your energy levels. Don't, don't, shoot yourself in the foot. Don't be mean to yourself. And if you are, ask yourself why. What's going on? What's really going on? Because we get bro. so caught up with things. We just will take off. Emotions yeah. take over. It carries into other people's relationships. It carries into uh, our work. And it's amazing what happens. So the biggest piece of advice I can give is contain your feelings, whatever you have contain them, hold them because those are your answers to who you yeah. are. Yep. But people don't go towards that. They don't explore that because it's scary. It's disappointment. It means the fantasy they have in life, however they've been living. And I'm not saying fantasy is like, it's a bad thing. I'm saying we do things as humans to survive the fantasy that we've been living in because we haven't truly been checking in with ourselves is painted over and over. Yep. And we keep living it instead of questioning, instead of holding those feelings down here hold them here look at right. them embrace them. them love yeah. them don't, don't you can hate them, them. actually don't look at them. exactly really think about it talk to somebody oh, Kobe, kobe's with me kobe's here kobe knows he knows he does you know? know that's it and and it's it's just one of those things so like every morning that's what i do is just like remind myself where i am put i put my list together what are the important things i have to get done today you know and then I write them on the list if, and then the things that are not pressing matters, I move to the bottom of the list and then mm -hmm. I shift them to the next day. And then whatever priorities come up the next day, again, you know, it's like, 
the same thing. So I just shift my list to the next day. Um, and constantly, constantly write down stuff. That's helped so much. How you many showed thoughts? your papers? If I yeah. could get to mine right now and show you, it, there's there's Yellow notes all over the place. Yeah, yeah, the best. And you know what? Yeah, I, I I put it I put it in my phone, but it's still it's different when you it's write. Different. It. It's yeah. different. Yeah. It's, it's there's yeah. something that connects you more. I still write you know? my programs. I try doing them online on the, on the computer, and I'm back to writing them down. Stuff. I feel it it's it's hard, you know. But yeah. I, I I like doing that better. Um, but I don't want to get too far drawn out here. That, that was some really good advice from both of you guys. If you follow my stories, it's simple. I pray, I meditate, uh, I do my walks to help me podcast, uh, to listen to podcasts, to get some you know, value each day. I want to educate myself each day. I want to be able to help people each day. Uh, I want to be able to go to bed every night knowing that I did good. And the next day, hopefully that's going to come, God willing, uh, I'm able to do it over again. You know, so, uh, Michael, where can they find you? At iCourse St. George on Instagram, Mike St. George on Facebook. That's pretty much where I'm at. Johnny, where can they find you? Instagram's the way to go, man. Uh, Coach U with the letter U, strong. Coach U, strong on Instagram. Nice. Uh, You can find me at Coach underscore Haas, H-O-S. Boys, it's been a pleasure once again. We'll have this one up and out shortly. Thank you for your time. I will see you soon. Peace out.